This is a HeadGum Podcast. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Your specific facts will almost always change the outcome, and you should always seek an attorney before doing anything. Literally anything. Ryan Morrison is an attorney licensed in New York, and Austin and O'Connor are just normal humans not licensed to do anything anywhere. Proceed with caution. Welcome to Robot Congress. It's been a long while, and for many of you, this will be your first episode. So welcome. But we are very glad to be back. I, of course, am Ryan, video game attorney Morrison, and with me is my lovely co-host for the past year, Austin Hoffman. Hello! However, what's a relaunch without making things a lot better all around? If you liked Austin, not only do you have bad taste, but you'll also love our new third co-host, O'Connor. Hi! Just start introduction off, yeah. over. This deodorant has ruined this introduction. What are you talking about? My deodorant. What what kind of deodorant? It's old spice. It's terrible. It smells terrible. We're already off the rails. Wait, why and are the you? Worst, it's it's just it's so bad. And then it offers you twenty four hours of protection, or AKA eight until you start smelling like hickory yeah, smoked well, butt. For they all offer twenty four or forty eight hours of protection, which use? is nonsense. Yeah, but you know how much I sweat. Let alone am I already a nervous, paranoid schizophrenic type person i also sweat a lot like a fat kid so use a different deodorant uh well no because they don't sell the arm and hammer one at the corner walgreens so i'm not gonna go somewhere else Ugh. arm and hammer sounds dry and it fun. smells like mint i use old spice. that's also terrible i use gillette that gel stuff stop using the gillette gel stuff how do you how are you going to use deodorant if, oh, if the deodorant itself is wet isn't it supposed to prevent wetness no, the deodorant starts wet so it can combat wetness the toughest. It's, that it doesn't make any sense. I, anyway, <laughs> O'Connor's going to be leading the effort to make these episodes much more of a deep dive into the popular topics floating around the internet. We've only touched the surface and been through rambling nonsense between Austin and myself in the past. So now we're looking forward to, to really covering each topic so that when we cover something, it'll be the only episode you need to hear on that topic to really know everything about it. We're your one-stop shop for deodorant. So you're saying that you want to make sure that the entire internet is dependent upon your voice, Ryan Morrison? That's right. The Daily it, Show. I am Anthony Scatamooch. What's his name? Scaramucci. Why do you have to do this? It's uh, yeah, the Mooch follows me on Twitter, so basically we're best friends, and uh, I am going to channel him throughout the rest of this <laughs> podcast forevermore. Great. Can that, I channel Sean Spicer and just quote I'm the Mooch? Anyway, we're gonna fix the problems of the past by. Instead of just doing those surface dives, we're going to go a lot deeper, and we're going to find the real story, as real as we can find, and tell you the real law. And it'll give you enough information to go to your friends and say, um, actually, that's not true whenever they bring up anything. Stick with us, and your friends will hate hanging out with you. This week, we're going to be talking about Alex Mauer? Mauer. Mauer. No. A woman who decided to take a believed contract breach into her own hands by filing countless... And by countless, I mean nearly 200 so DMCA takedowns throughout the internet. I guess that is a countable number. She did not just go after the company she was working for. She went after everyone. In all seriousness, this podcast will probably get one. Was this allowed? Did she own the copyright? Did she forget about fair use? Don't worry. Soon you'll know everything there is to know about this situation. Until we get takedown and then our first episode is taken down because of a DMCA. That's right. This show is going to be coming out every Tuesday, and we look forward to building back up your faith in us as we promise to never miss a week again. Because you had so much faith in us before. And we missed every week before. O'Connor, let's get right into it. As a quick summary, and according to the employer of Ms. Mauer, Imagos Films, a.k.a. Imagos Softworks, Ms. Mauer was supposed to be paid $40,000 as a work-for-hire agreement for six months' worth of work as a video game composer. And work for hire is an important term there. Work for hire means there's a clause in the agreement that says the company will own the work. So normally a contractor retains ownership of what they make. It's an incredibly important distinction. It's an incredibly important clause, but it's not something you'll always see in these agreements. But apparently it existed here. Yes. Alex then left the company in mid-2016 due to health issues. Per Imago's comments, they claim to have paid Alex 36.5K for their work on the game up to that point. Alex has claimed the following at various intervals throughout this debacle, from she was not being paid properly for the amount of work that she produced, to not being paid for the actual project she worked on, to alleging she was purposely being defrauded by the company from the get-go. 
like they never believed in her, and they wanted to bring her down. Well, the best way to produce a very good, substantial argument is to change the actual thing that you're arguing about throughout the entire process. Maurer filed a Digital Millennium Copyright Act takedown claim, which we will explain in much greater detail soon, against Imagos with Valve in March 2017, forcing the game to be removed from the marketplace until Imagos counterclaimed to get it reinstated. The game was not back up in the marketplace until May 30th of 2017. Uh, Maurer has also filed a DMCA against Kanadis Creative and their game River City Rampage Underground, which is actually a pretty cool game. It's like an old school beat 'em up. She did I'm sick so of them. <laughs> what? How could you be sick of them? I'm just I've played it too many. You there, played there's... too many times in the, in the arcade like 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm over it. There's so a, you're you sick know, of your childhood. Nathan's. Like a, no, a Nokia was a good phone, but I'm not going to trade in my iPhone for one, you know? Like, we, we, we moved Nathan's on. It's fun zone. Yeah, society's progressed past it. The mooch is not Pass impressed. Beat em ups. The mooch. You're, you're pooping on Streets of Rage right now. And I'm they're over fun it. to I play wouldn't... with friends. No, they're not. I don't want to play Streets of Rage. I'm over it. That, yeah, well, that's like, why they make like new Castle ones. Crashers? Oh, Castle no. Crashers. You son of a bitch. She Castle so Crashers is fine. That's the progression of an old school beat-em-up. That's a fun game. They, that's oh, yeah, an like evolved the, version of Streets of Rage. Oh, yeah, so like you the think... Warriors video game for PlayStation 2? That's also an evolved version. They, they have a, It's like a top-down 3D King of the Hill game, and you know I like that game. So so you don't... So because it's pixelated, because it's like an old school, like, 16-bit looking worse. game. It has nothing... It has, it's not even the camera angle. It's just it's a worse game. It was made a long time ago. GoldenEye's not as good as Halo. GoldenEye's a fun game. Had a great time in my childhood playing it, but we're not going to go start... A GoldenEye esports league. Yeah, but but people are really buying up indie retro games right now, and they are fun. Like yeah, what's and I'm over it. The whole, the whole people still play Street Fighter Two Turbo as an esport. That's fantastic. That game's like 20 years no, old. They don't play it as an esport. Maybe as like a speed run thing, but it's I'm, yeah, I'm just over. How it. do you I'm speed run a fighting game? You I'm allowed to be over it. You punch faster. I don't know. I'm just over it. <laughs> anyway, I'm over, uh, I'm over this podcast already. Jesus, <laughs> I sh I quit. Sean Spicer out. Maurer filed those DMCA's because she collaborated with two other composers, Rich Vreeland and Dino Leonetti, on the soundtrack for that game as well. Uh, she claims the company used her music with no contract. The company owner, Daniel Krenna, states differently on the Steam's message board. And, and there's been screenshots put up of clips of the contract, which I do find strange. There's, it's, they have not said, here is the contract. They've said, here's a work-for-hire clause that she signed. I haven't seen a signature. I haven't seen anything like that. But they, he's put up clauses in the contract. And for the purpose of explaining the law here, we're going to assume there is a signed contract. Although for in Maurer's defense, it, it from even text between her and her friends, it sounds like she does not believe there's a contract. Like she actually doesn't believe there is a contract. Yeah, well, she also believes that there's a conspiracy that started from her being right. hired. Which is why I have less harder time believing her than the other party. Right. Uh, the game is still currently down due to the DMCA filing on Steam. But to get a better idea of what happened here, we need to start further back than the takedown. Uh, <laughs> further back than the contract. Yes, that's the back, back to the future noise. In February that's 2015. That's from Wayne's World. Oh uh, my yeah. god. Get your Aust pop culture references Aust right. Austin's never seen a movie. You know that. Leave him alone. In 2015, XDX. I don't get it. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, in February 2015. No, hold on. Now explain. What does that mean? Really? Yeah, I want to hear where your stupid mind just went. Twenty <laughs> <laughs> uh, XDX is a uh, is like a is a term that's used in a bunch of games for citing like an un an undetermined future year. Like, I've like a lot late... of games I've never seen that. Oh my god, twenty. And is is it two zero XDX? Yeah. When when was that ever a thing? A lot. Name one game. Wow. I mean, uh, you were fine when you had to explain what a MacGuffin was on one of your prior episodes, but this I'm not siding with you on. Twenty <laughs> XX uh, is a uh, is is a game. Twenty XX makes a lot more sense than twenty XDX. Yeah. What's yeah? What's XDX? I what's don't know. I've just heard the term a lot. No, you haven't. <laughs> yes, I this is so, ridiculous. Austin, this let me get is this the straight. most ridiculous this thing you've is, ever this said. This is why the internet shouldn't exist. So you're spouting off things about stuff that you just admitted you have no idea what are about. You know how language is made, right? It's made by people utilizing words, even if those words That's don't exist That's how a president yet. was made. Hey, I heard people say it. Might have been me telling myself, <laughs> but I still heard people say it. It's legit right, how they keep, make new words. Keep, keep going. That's a ridiculous thing that does not exist. Star Amazer, a retro, sexy, sci-fi epic with modern design sensibilities, utilizing point-and-click adventuring with classic shoot-em-up gameplay and RPG I like elements. I you have to describe a game and you just read their own written description. 
Well, that's, uh, that's the only fair way to do it. That's I don't. Eh, all right, fine. I mean, I'm I'm fine with it. It's just funny because it sounds like it's your favorite game ever, but it's it's their own favorite game ever. Yeah, but it looked cool. Uh, was well, of course they're gonna post it like that on their website. You know, it's gonna be like, oh, it's a game. You're in a spaceship. It's yeah, but without that disclaimer, people are gonna be think Austin is this is his favorite game of all time. <laughs> It was successfully funded on Kickstarter, generating nearly $200,000 for Imago Softworks. Don Thacker, the company's director, brought on composer Alex Maurer, a friend of Don's for over five years. Which help. is important that, that Alex and Don, so the owner of the company and Alex, who is, is the one issuing these takedowns and, and uh, very upset over this dispute, they have been friends way before this project. This was not a, you're hired, now we know each other. This was a, uh, you're hired because we know each other. Correct. He brought on Alex to help with the sci-fi adventure game's music. Under the standard work-for-hire agreement, the company owned all the work done toward the project by the artist. Mauer started in March and was to be paid $40,000 over 27 installments. Is that a decent amount for the work? Well, and once again, just as a disclaimer, that's what Imago's put out as evidence with a cover letter of Maurer's contract. So whether or not it's the truth, we don't know, but that is the evidence that Imago's produced. I already love having O'Connor here. Yeah, in terms of a rate, it's uh it's you know, it's it's actually pretty good. It's it's fair. Uh, composers usually charge per completed minute of music. So uh, your artists, your programmers and things like that, they charge per project, they charge per overall asset or job, but a composer usually will charge per completed minute of music. So that might be why you see 27 installments, too. It could be 27 minutes of music. Uh, I don't know. 27 oh. installments is a very real weird number to me. But uh, we've written a lot of contracts. I've never once written 27 milestones, okay, especially sure, not I for a, a, a like... 40,000 job. But 40,000 well, is, is totally reasonable, if not good, for uh, something like this. Well, according to the cover letter of it, it's biweekly installments. So it's 40K for the year. Oh, all right. If that's how I thought this was milestones or things like that. Yeah, I mean, if it's a biweekly paycheck, that is... We're going to get into another episode about contractor versus employee, and I would argue that doing something like that makes them less of a contractor and much more an employee. But again, another episode. Building on the fact that they were friends beforehand, in November of 2015, Don actually flew out from Seattle, where Imagos is based, and rented a car to help move Maurer to Seattle uh, while Maurer was going through a divorce, Maurer living in Pennsylvania at the time. That's got to be tough, but apparently Don and Alex were good enough friends that this was something you'd do for him. Yeah, so you know what Mauer did in the summer of 2016? <laughs> Mauer separated from Imago, saying that she had medical issues and a desire to refocus her life. That's that's very understandable after a divorce and moving and all the other personal issues that they were going through. I, I... Well, to, to not make light of it, I mean, in all seriousness, I believe that was uh, kind of a, a self-awareness breakdown, and, and that's when Alex uh, began transitioning from male to female, right? Yes, including hormonal therapy. Okay, so that that ha that's why she left the company was to start dealing with that. She, uh, I mean, once again, this is all what Imagos has said. Imagos, the only thing that she stated from, and this is from Don Thacker from the Kickstarter comments that he left on the game's own page for Kickstarter, is that she left due to medical issues and a desire to refocus her life. They didn't say no, she's transitioning from male to female. That's why she quit. They didn't get into specifics. Gotcha. And then so Imagos at the time they stopped, did they say what how much they'd paid her? Yes, they paid her 36.5k for the work that she performed plus extra in good faith. Is good faith like a contract term or is that like, hey, here's some money because, you know, we're friends? No, good faith is probably, hey, we're friends. I see you're in a tough spot and I don't want you to be down and out because you can't do this job. So here's a little extra. I don't really understand it in this context because if they're paying them, if, if Imagos is paying Alex nearly the full amount, why put in extra? You know, they, it. Unless it's literally a loan between friends. Well, the good friends, faith is most I... likely part of the 36.5K. Well, okay, I, mean, I imagine that it's 36.5K oh. because maybe that's yeah, the yeah, point yeah. that she left. You know, no, because they were doing every two I, weeks. Fair enough. Either way, we don't really so they know. Were, and it, they it were supposed to pay her for a year's worth of work. She worked about six months, so she should have only gotten about 20K. So that extra 16.5 is most likely the good faith payment. It, it just shows that they were serious and, and, and their intentions were honest about wanting her to be the composer for the game. Well, and the so they say. Let's not uh, yeah. get biased about this yet. And, and But, although, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right away, well, because, I mean, literally the next step in this story is something that is a little bit crazy. Uh, in August 2016, Alex was arrested for various charges, including stealing packages off doorsteps. 
that's I, I believe she was going around and just taking Amazon packages off people's doorsteps, right? Yeah, she was going and opening them. She took pictures and tweeted it uh, of it was like an exercise DVD. Uh, and but except like neighbor neighborhood watch, I guess she did it enough that they caught her and reported her, and then she got arrested for it. And, and in all seriousness, if you're caught probation. by neighborhood watch, you are a bad criminal. Uh, I don't think neighborhood watch has ever taken down anything of note, right? Freeze, neighborhood watch. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, the charges were two counts of each disorderly conduct, which, uh, created a hazardous or physically offensive condition and receiving stolen property, which is theft by unlawful tanking of movable property is the letter of the law there. According to Mauer's now deleted tweets, it was, uh, the exercise DVD Austin mentioned. And the fact that she's tweeting about it just shows, I think, a, a mental instability, uh, that there is, you know, bragging about doing a crime and putting on the internet. You're not of sane mind or sound mind when you do something like that. Again, well, she wasn't, opinion. she wasn't bragging about it. And something that we should bring up is the fact that she does. Uh, people have been digging in ever since this issue has started up, especially once we get into the part of the YouTube takedowns, people have been creating a firestorm on her Twitter. They've been trying to research anything and everything about her. Well, if she put up a picture saying, hey, I stole this. No, it's... she did not put up a picture saying she stole this. Someone found the docket of the, the court docket of her uh, particular case and said, this is what happened to you. Explain yourself. And she said, y you'd laugh, but I stole an exercise DVD. She didn't post a picture up saying, haha, I stole an exercise DVD. Look at me. Someone called her out on it because they found the court. Oh, OK, fair enough. And then she tried to make a joke of it because she's not in shape. Is that the joke? I don't even know what she looks like. She just say just the, the, it's the probably like, oh, I stole an exercise DVD. Haha. -ha. You just the ridic just the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, some good news for Imagos, at least on August 26th, they released Star Mazer DSP, a spinoff for Star Mazer, a game that isn't even out yet. It contained Alex's music, as and as it's under the Star Mazer brand, that's a nice and wait, hold way. on. I don't know. This is a spinoff of a game that's not released yet. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, you know okay. that the game's going to be that good because it already has a spinoff without being out. <laughs> so the spinoff came out before the game itself. Yes. That's awesome. I mean, it, it, fair enough. I had no Early idea. Early access, oh. baby. But yeah. it's it, but it's legal for them to use the music for Star Mazer for Star Mazer DSP because if it's... there is a contract signed with a work for hire agreement provision, yes. If there's a contract signed without that provision, then no, she owns it. If there's oh, a con okay. if there was no contract, then no, she owns it. That work for hire clause needs to be in there. With an employee, you get it automatically. With a contractor, it needs to be written there. Okay, so so it's the company Imagos. If you know, with provided the work for hire agreement, then Imagos owns it, and they can do whatever they want with it, not just for Star Mazer. It can be used right. for whatever. Yep. Okay. Well, despite this, a short while later, Mauer began protesting Star Mazer DSP, claiming that she was owed further wages. What does DSP stand for? I don't know. It's just Star Mazer DSP. Uh, Imagos's comments in the Star Mazer Kickstarter. Space. Portfolio <laughs> claimed that Mauer was offered shared universal rights to the soundtrack as well as equity share in the game's revenue. So that's, which... a, that's a really important aside. If that's true, I hope that's not right. Uh, so first, first things first, the shared universal rights to the soundtrack, super common with composers. Composers, uh, like we said, 40K is, is great for a year long project. And that's not Oh, you know, the best salary in the world, it's, it's good. And sometimes they can do various projects. So composers can do quite well, but they usually also get uh, rev share or full ownership of the soundtrack to make a little bit more money on the side. But if they offered her actual equity in the game, they're idiots. Never, ever offer anyone equity. Equity is, is your, your baby. Don't give away equity. That equity means actual ownership. You can give away profit sharing. You can give away revenue sharing, but don't give away equity. And if they did that here, shame and wag of the finger to them. Well, do you think maybe they were freaking out because of her protest and they if they gave her equity in it, then that would incentivize her to, you know, not protest the game and get the game out. So it that's make money? it's uh, I mean, they might that might be the reason, but I think it's the height of idiocy. <laughs> All well, right. Well, I think she declined it then. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think that she, she should have probably it. taken it. Well, yeah, but we're talking about, you know, not necessarily the That's the what most the Mooch would do. Rational we're well, we're talking about someone who stole an exercise DVD off someone's porch. So... Well, she didn't know it was an exercise DVD when she stole it, probably, right? Because it's in a closed package. You have to open it up, and then you get the prize. Have you ever been delivered a wrong package? 
Uh, well, I mean, you see the person's name on it. Well, it, so I got wrong delivered addresses. a wrong package to well, it, it, it was to my address, so it must have been the old tenant. And I tried. I called the post office. I called Amazon. No one had the new address. No one found the person. And I, you know, was fine. Now it's mine. And it was a Baller's Gate Collector's Edition. What? So like, yeah, I would have been like best friends with whoever used to live in my apartment. You're not supposed to open that up. It's a felony. Oh, no, shit. I, the post office said I was allowed to if it went unclaimed for two months. So now it's mine. Uh, fast forward a few months to February and Maurer has a text message Except conversation. Except Hillary's emails because they're deleted. The mooch out. Maurer has a text message conversation with Dino Leonetti, the same person who composed uh, or co-composed the soundtrack with Maurer on River City Ransom Underground, uh, the game that Morrison is such a big fan of. In this text exchange, I'm not she... an anti of that game, to be clear. I don't even know what that game is. I'm just, I'm over it. <laughs> she you just admits... got to be hot take guy. You gotta, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like the name of it. I'm over it, yeah. <laughs> In this text exchange, she admits to working for hire, as well as trying to create legal speed bumps that caused Don Thacker to be billed for more hours by his attorney working the case. It, that, that wasn't you, Morrison, right? Well, it, no, but it is such a common strategy. I mean, we do it at our law firm. They, they, sometimes you slow play things or you add an extra work because you know the other party can't afford to keep paying their lawyer. So as much as this shows Mauer knew what she was doing and was being a nefarious nayersayer, uh, a ne'er do well is the word it, you're looking for. That was the MacGuffin. Most, yeah, uh, you know it's it's not it's not unheard of. That one, everyone on the internet was like, "Can you believe she said this?" Yeah, I can. It's a pretty common strategy in in legal battles. Uh, Mauer also speaks of a verbal agreement she claims to have had with Thacker, not a and written. That one. is why I don't think she's being as nefarious as everyone else does. Because if she believes this, if she's saying this to her friend. That there was no contract, we had a verbal agreement, and he's breaking it. And she wasn't saying it like, you know, if you look at the actual text, she wasn't saying there is a verbal agreement, only I swear I never signed something. It's very casual. It's not the kind of situation you would make up a big lie about. And she says, yeah, there was no contract, we had a verbal agreement, and he's not honoring it now, and he's going to regret it, or something like that. And if that is what happened, if that is at least what she believes, that changes things. Because a verbal agreement, you can't assign intellectual property through. So I, 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 again, without the proper clause and the proper agreement, she does own all this stuff. But apparently there is a contract that's signed. I'm sure it will appear in the, the court docket if it hasn't already, if there is one. Uh, I know the attorney representing them, uh, Imagos, so we'll see. I, I am curious to see what happens with the actual contract. Well, in July, Dino Leonetti uh, attests to, ha to the conversation. He submitted screenshots of the exchange to court. Around that time, Maurer also posted the Star Mazer DSB soundtrack, which she calls Overdrive, on Bandcamp, which is a website where artists can post their music for streaming. Also, they can uh, post whatever albums they'd like and charge whatever they'd like for that. Uh, she listed Star Mazer DSB soundtrack for $1,000. $1,000? Surely you mean $1,000 doll hairs. Uh, that, that equates to about $14.32 the last time I checked the DHPPE. That's the doll hair price point exchange for Layman. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you're an idiot. Anyway, a month later, March 1st, Maurer removes herself from the internet, or at least as well as you can. She deleted her Twitter, Bandcamp page, her personal site. She also issued her first DMCA claim against Star Mazer DSP with Valve, or through Valve, forcing the game off the marketplace. It's around that time that Imagos files a DMCA claim of their own to Bandcamp, along with proof of Maurer's contract, which again, I haven't seen. It might be in that DMCA takedown, so they say showing she worked for hire. Uh, Bandcamp took down the, the soundtrack, as they have to, and everyone kind of followed proper DMCA procedure here. Yeah, so what is a DMCA takedown? It sounds like a SWAT team's going to invade, take over your computer, and shoot your YouTube video to death. No, my hard drive. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows the DMCA. Everyone's heard of a DMCA takedown on YouTube or things like that. It was the biggest story of the year last year, but few people know how it actually works or what it actually is. So the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, or the DMCA, was unanimously passed by the United States Senate on the 12th of October, 1998. So it's not that old. And it was signed into law by good old President Clinton, who the mooch doesn't like, on 28th of October the same year. The act was put into law to interpret and enact two 1996 World Intellectual Property Organization treaties. The World Intellectual Property Organization, or WIPO, is basically the group that controls intellectual property for the world. It's it's an aptly named organization. They uh, 
They control a lot of the trademark treaties and things like that. They help uh, control brand protection throughout the globe. And this, this, the DMCA was basically trying to work with WIPO on making America compliant with its its suggestions. Can we call uh, it WIPO? Nope. It, the, the goal of the DMCA was, it was many things. The big thing was uh, safe harbor for ISPs, internet service providers, against copyright liability. What is safe harbor? Well, it basically makes it so websites that host content but don't create the content, figure like, like YouTube. YouTube, exactly, are not liable for infringing copyrighted material on their website as long as the company complies with what the DMCA created. And I know this is getting kind of cyclical, but to explain it very clearly, the provision says that YouTube isn't liable if I upload Star Wars to their website as long as they take it down the second Disney alerts them to it. It becomes tricky because they really do have to take it down immediately. They don't get to do a review. They don't get to consider fair use or anything like that. They just have to take it down immediately when Disney or whoever owns the copyright submits the takedown request. That this makes sense, though. I mean, there's, well, you got to think about how many people are posting YouTube videos at this exact moment in time. You can't think – like if you had somebody – like an investigator look at every single DMCA request, that would be ridiculous. Like how many uh, videos get uploaded a day? A million? Well, they also can't more? even have an investigator look at that. It has to be taken down immediately. No, no. no what he would... means the other way around. Like it, it's good that they have that safe harbor because they oh, yeah. can't possibly look at everything being uploaded, and I agree. Uh, but the problem is this means that in some cases a malicious or incorrect person can get content removed that should have never been taken down in the first place. It's been used to remove negative reviews, take down competition, and a plethora of other nonsense. It, it's, it's commonly abused. So it's not a bad law. I agree with you, O'Connor. It's actually a good law that understands the Internet. The problem is it didn't take into account assholes. People and, just abuse it. But yeah, what, would you and, do, what would you do is the opposite, just not have a YouTube then? Because that would be the only other option. Right, well, or there's also 300,000 other ways you can try to deal with something other than this one law. But yes, I agree that we shouldn't remove the safe harbor entirely. So what can someone do if a DMCA takedown happens? Especially if you think it's wrong, there's actually a counter provision that lets you contest the takedown and your content goes right back up. Not right back up, but it goes back up very quickly. So it's basically like appealing. Uh, Yeah, in the loosest sense of it, sure, I'll, I'll allow it. Uh, but so, <laughs> Thank you, Judge Morrison. No problem. But the, the, uh, the problem with that is you, you counter it and you say, sorry, this is not infringing. Put it back up. And let's say YouTube is the, the ISP here. They will put it back up. And then the, they only are able to take it back down again if the original party files a lawsuit or starts a legal proceeding. So p countering a takedown is easy. Countering a takedown will get your content right back up. But if you counter a takedown, it's basically daring the other party to sue you. And even if you think you're right, being sued is expensive as hell. Six figures in cases where you're 100% right. Is that fair? No, but it's reality. And you can't, like, make the person who's suing you pay for your legal expenses if you turn out being right? Well, it's still a whole time and money issue. You still need to be able to pay them. Right. You get it back at the end. But as much as it's abused in some cases, there are other cases where it's used 100% correctly, but the party who suffered the takedown goes berserk. The misunderstanding of copyright law exists on both sides. From a website called takedownabuse.org, we see two Definitely comments. Definitely not a biased source. <laughs> we can see two comments from people who are clearly confused. The first complaint comes from Gareth Van Camp, or the Necrocritic, who says, As an internet reviewer, I have dealt with a lot of abuse from companies in the past. By far, the worst instance was when I spent two full months fighting a copyright claim for my Felix the Cat the Movie review. Which is the what claim... you want to spend two full months on, by the way. The claim like was from a company... A kid. That's, it's an unnecessary review. Sorry, Austin, continue. The claim was from a company called Egeta. By the way, I'm not Austin right now. I am Gareth Van Camp, a.k.a. the Necrocritic. Mr. Van uh, Camp, my apologies. The claim was from a company called Egeta, who I knew for a fact didn't own any copyright for that movie or any other clip I used in that review. <laughs> Whenever and they people never say I claimed... knew for a fact, they so rarely knew something for a fact. And they never claimed a specific portion of the video, or named what it was they were claiming. So when I disputed it, I thought they were just some random company trying to scam YouTube's copyright system with a false claim. It wasn't until my second counterclaim got rejected, and the video was taken down, that I learned Igeta was a third-party company who automatically makes copyright claims on behalf of the copyright holder. 
The worst part was, they weren't even representing the company who owned Felix the Cat the movie. They were representing the Spanish-language distributor for the movie. Lo siento. When I made my last counterclaim, it took the full month of inaction before the video went back up and my strike was lifted. That was the instance that made me quit YouTube. A and goodbye. Uh, here it's very possible that Ag Agita absolutely had the rights to the copyright of the movie. He says they didn't. He knows they didn't. You don't, you don't know that, Mr. Van Camp. I'm sorry. Gareth even admits later on that, he, that they represent the Spanish-language distributor. So at first he thought it was some random troll trying to destroy his Felix the Cat movie review, which, why? And now he's saying, oh, actually they do have rights, but not the right rights. He doesn't know. And it's, Reviewing it's, cat movies is important, by the way, so yeah, don't, yeah. Don't, don't just throw shade on it. Yeah, I mean, I believe they were probably tasked with policing the copyright for the movie in general, not just the Spanish language version. Even if they only had a partial license, they almost certainly have not only the right, but according to most contracts, I would bet they had the responsibility to help police it. So I really don't see any foul play here. It's it's very uh, it's silly to me to think that there is anything that anything in what Gareth says is accurate. Well, I mean, he probably has a limited amount of knowledge, and all he knows is that his video got taken down. So. Well, either way, we have one other from Mr. Spencer Carter, who says... I've posted two YouTube videos in 2006 with couple songs by the Beatles. Then recently, UMGMK blocked my videos. Fortunately, didn't got us so far. I say to you, we're going to do a relaunch. <laughs> we're going to take it seriously. We're going to do a great deep dive into topics. We're really going to be an educational platform where people actually learn things instead of just you and I rambling. And you come back and you do a Cockney accent as you're reading your quote. As I was saying, good. then recently, UMGMK blocked my videos. Fortunately, didn't got a so-called dreadful copyright strike. The one is a tribute to the late Dan Curtis, a.k.a. the creator of Dark Shadows, using the Beatles in my life, and the late ABC news legend Peter Jennings, who died in 2005, using the Beatles' Let It Be. Then, the Dan Curtis tribute video I did was blocked in some countries, and the Peter Jennings run was blocked worldwide. I've tried to dispute this claim by using the fair use thing. And, and I love that. That's the actual quote. Like, so what is Austin is reading is their actual complaint, their actual written, this is an okay thing. And he says that fair use thing. Just please, guys, call here or it's Google that fair use thing. I can Stop do making it. yourself sound ridiculous. This one, I mean, I don't think there's much to, to say. Uh, it, it's important to know, though, how far away from the mindset of, of understanding copyright law you can be when discussing the DMCA. If you want to argue you should be allowed to use Beatles songs, that's a different philosophical discussion altogether. But copyright law literally says you are silly and wrong here and you are not allowed to do this. This is not part of the brokenness of the DMCA. The DMCA, is there is there a way to fix the DMCA system so that everybody is happy? As it is, if somebody throws around a few random takedown flags, they can get, like, honest YouTubers accounts locked. Their channels can get removed. Yeah. The, 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 these aren't malicious people who have posted, like, illegal content. They're, they're victims of internet trolling. No, and we got into a little earlier, and you're right. I mean, it's a great point, because unfortunately, the biggest reason the DMCA is broken is because there are absolute monsters out there who abuse it. And it's Bastard. both ways, like the guy who's just complaining he can't use the Beatles songs. That's abusing it the other way, with where he counters it and gets it back up, and then you're forcing the other company to spend money on a lawsuit to go after you. That's ridiculous. Uh, in its intention and in its literal text, the DMCA is not a bad thing. But bad people make it a bad thing. And what happens then? It's important to remember that when you file a takedown, you sign something that says, and I quote, I am providing this notice in good faith, and with the reasonable belief that rights my company owns are being infringed. Under penalty of perjury, I certify that the information contained in the notification is both true and accurate, and I have the authority to act on behalf of the owner of the copyrights involved. So perjury? You were, yeah, you so are literally is, is committing that like, perjury. Is that like getting thrown in jail for a night? Is that, uh, that, that's what happened in my, kind of, in my cousin Vinny, right? Yeah, perjury is, it, it, for those who don't know, it means you're lying under oath usually. It's it's lying in a uh, court proceeding, and a DMCA takedown is basically swearing under oath that they are infringing. And perjury is a state-based crime, but in some states it has a penalty of up to five years in jail. It's not something to mess around with. Has anyone ever gone to jail over a false DMCA? No. Could it happen? Absolutely. And I think with the state of the internet, we might start seeing things go down that path.
There's also the case of Lens vs. Universal that says you need to consider fair use before submitting a takedown. Yeah, and good on you, Austin. You've learned so much working with me. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm you, just happy O'Connor's here. You do good here. research. Yeah, uh, no, but Lens vs. Universal is a, a, a good, a great case to bring up. Uh, it was a case, I, 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 it's been a while since I watched the video, but it's a baby dancing in front of a television that had a Prince music video playing in the background. Universal, who owns the rights to the Prince song, issued a takedown against the family's video. They wanted to make sure that baby would never dance again. Exactly. But in all seriousness, the family countered saying it was fair use. And they won, as they should have. I mean, it's ridiculous. No one was watching that video to hear the Prince song. They were watching that video to see a cute dancing baby. If you I think it was malicious. Yeah. No, the, the court said in that case, to issue a takedown, you must consider fair use. While that's a great victory, it's unfortunately pretty meaningless to the penniless creator, or even a mid-level creator, who can't afford a six-figure lawsuit against a company like Universal issuing a false takedown. So I wouldn't rely on Lens v. Universal for much other than a, a feel-good. All right, well, legal fun aside, let's get back to the story here. Uh, Maurer reactivated her personal site and posts the Star Mazer DSP soundtrack on there. She claims that Bandcamp took, took it down due to Imagos filing a false copyright claim. Mauer then reactivates her own personal site and posts the Star Maester DSP Overdrive soundtrack on there. She claims Overdrive is an album that was taken down from Bandcamp because of a false copyright claim from Imago Softworks. So again, if that's not true, if this if they had a right to do the, the, the takedown, now she's also committed defamation. And I would not be surprised, I would be shocked if that's not part of the lawsuit uh, going on currently, but it's possible. So if uh, all this stuff is true, she's just stacking the deck against her. Oh, yeah, she's making this worse and worse and worse. And she's already destroyed her career. No one's ever going to work with her again. And then later in March, Don Thacker leaves his side of the story as a comment on Starmazer's Kickstarter site. That seems to be, like, the, his method of communication. Uh, Mauer, well, because they had a successful Kickstarter. So it's, it's, it's not as ridiculous as it sounds that he kind of gives all his fans and people waiting for the game a heads up as to what the problems are. It's like, hey, this, this is why we haven't been able to work on the game, because we're too busy worrying about all this copyright stuff before we can even consider moving on. Exactly. And then in uh, March of this year, Star Mazer is returned to the Steam Marketplace, this time with a completely different soundtrack. So Star Mazer just ripped out the, the Mauer soundtrack and put in a new one. Uh, but they would again be DMCA'd after Mauer claims they are using her sound effects. So the, wow. the soundtrack's taken down, but she says, hey, you're still using my sound effects. Eventually, Star Mazer is put back on the marketplace for good, starting May 30th of this year. And then we go to June. Uh, June 4th, Maurer sends a DMCA claim to Kickstarter and Vimeo regarding Star Mazer's trailer. Probably because it has music. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it's, it's, it's a game that's already out, and she goes back and, and is just trying to, she's trying to take down everything she can. Maurer even begins the DMCAs of YouTubers playing the game. The first yes, a person week being, later. Yeah, the first person is Temi Neko of Temi Plays. Temi has about uh, 1,600 subscribers, so not a big channel by any means, but, you know, up and coming. Temi, keep at it. I believe in you. Temi has issued two DMCA strikes, which is brutal for a channel. That can, If, if you get uh, an actual strike against your channel, you can't upload things as quickly. You have waiting periods. There's so many downsides, and it's, you can't monetize in a lot of cases. It's terrible to do that to someone for no reason. Wait, two strikes? What's three strikes? You lose your channel. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, and then Temi Neko posts the takedown of her video on the Star Mazer DSP forums, because I guess where else are you going to put it? Uh, Temi Neko, by the way, is a 15-year-old. Temi wow, Neko, by the way, is a weird way to say that. It's because I wanted to say girl, because we already said girl, but I didn't. But you just cut out of your mid-sentence. It's fine. Tem but And again, we don't know she's 15, but uh, from what we can understand, we, I believe, we all agree and believe she is 15. Uh, it's possible we have our facts incorrect, but it seems to be the case, uh, which makes the next part even worse. Uh, Maurer continued to issue DMCAs to other YouTubers, such as Lord Croco Squirrel, Sir Tap Tap, and Loot Bandit. Uh, during this time, she also begins to issue DMCAs to Twitch streamers as well. She's just shotgunning DMCAs everywhere. Uh, eventually, a YouTuber by the name of Sid Alpha brings to light these DMCA strikes in a YouTube post on June 23rd. 
Uh, in his video, he stated that he reached out to Maurer in order to try to get her to take back the DMCA strikes because of the fact that these YouTubers receive three strikes, their videos are taken down, their channel's gone. Uh, Maurer replies by saying that she advised Temi Neko and the others affected by her DMCA claims to quote-unquote take her, their complaints to the developer. Which is ridiculous. So, so she's basically, uh, she can't fight the battle for herself, uh, and she's forcing YouTubers to fight it for her. It's a disgusting she's, tactic. Uh, yeah, take them. She claims that she claims that none of them wish to do so, so she would not be removing any of the strikes. So, because Mauer insisted that the YouTubers take their issues to the creator of the game instead of the person who issued the takedowns, who was her, then. Uh, that's just an entirely frustrating experience. It's yeah, uh, and, and the best way it, to go. If yeah, you really want somebody to do something for you, the best way to do it is to start by offending them and taking away their ability to make a living. Exactly. And it's it was right around that time, uh, the 24th of June this year, where Maurer reactivates her Twitter account and uses it for garbage. As we just said, we think she's 15 years old, and Maurer posted Temi Neko's phone number on Twitter after Neko sent an apology text this, uh, trying to be nice, and I believe the text says something along the lines of, you know, what did I do? I'm so sorry. Can I fix this? And instead, Bauer posts a 15-year-old's phone number for everyone to, to – she doxes a 15-year-old. Uh, she also fires her own lawyer via text. She replies to people making fun of their profile pictures. Uh, she changes her own profile picture to a, herself holding a knife against her own throat. She starts making fun of journalists that are siding with her. Uh, she's just absolutely lost all goodwill in my book after this tirade. But again, I I walked the line carefully on that because she clearly is is not mentally sound. I mean, there's there's this is the the signs of a break, and uh, there's there's a clear need for help here. Uh, copyright attorney Leonard French, who's actually a buddy of mine, we just went out for drinks recently, states his professional opinion on the situation in a YouTube video. And he also states that he would offer his assistance to Imagos in regards to any legal aid the company may require. Uh, he's he's like me. We run around the Internet just offering free help, and we both uh, can't afford Ferraris yet. But uh, he he caught Alex Maurer by surprise here because Maurer really expected the Leonard Frenches of the Internet to help her. She thought she was so in the right that this was an obvious good guy case, and she was uh, blown away that French decided to help Imagos instead. Upon hearing that, she started sending threatening emails to French, stating that it, she would come to his business and throw bricks through his windows. Uh, she goes on to say that if she sees French in person, she would rip out his eyeballs Jesus and shove Christ. them down his throat, choking him to death. Uh, she also sent him a picture of a Wheaties box with a knife through it. So what the hell? it's it's a uh, uh, yeah. Michael Phelps. Yeah, it's exactly. you know who Michael Phelps is. No, I she also no threatened Sid Alpha with death to via email, and I would, you know, again, I'd assume others, but we don't have any evidence of others. Uh, and as was clearly necessary, and, and not making light of it, I'm glad she got help, on June 29th, Maurer was institutionalized, but not before issuing a DMCA claim for River City Ransom, forcing the game off Steam and becoming banned from Star Mazer community on Steam. So River City Ransom... Remind me again, O'Connor, that's a game she worked on previously, or that was another game by the same developer, Imagos? No, it was not by Imagos. River City Ransom is uh, the update to... Uh, River City Ransom Underground is like a spiritual successor to River City Ransom. She also worked on that uh, soundtrack with uh, with Dino as well, the same one that also worked on Star Mazer DSP. So she just is... This one is just completely out of left field and ridiculous, right? There aren't... It seems like a lot of them are, by so, the way. Yeah, so. like, I mean, literally the day she gets put away, she files another DMCA claim for, well, for the game itself. And the day after she's institutionalized, Imagos files the lawsuit. Yep, in her home state of Pennsylvania, which is where mm -hmm. she's now moved back to after leaving Seattle. And then fast forward over the weekend, you go to July 3rd when Maurer's released. And then... Why was she released? Uh... Was any of this stuff judged. public? I mean, I, I don't expect the doctors to go check her Twitter feed and things, but I, I have this this whole part of the story we obviously don't have a lot of information on, and it just doesn't add up to me. Was she committed or institutional? You know, was, did she go in against her will or did she commit herself? Uh, was she released because she committed herself or was she released because they thought she was fine when she clearly was not? Uh, I, I would, I, I'm eager to hear more information on that as it comes out. Uh, well, a day later, Valve rejected Maurer's DMCA claim for River, 
for River City Ransom Underground. Uh, Valve advised Mauer that her Steam account will be banned if she continues to file false claims. And that's true most most websites. That that was not, I, I don't, it might have been, but I mean, I, I don't believe that was Valve uh, even acknowledging who Mauer was. If you file false DMCAs or DMCAs that are found to be incorrect, they will ban your account. That's most websites. Uh, finally, catching up a few days later, YouTube uh, began to cancel her DMCA claims and advises that she that her YouTube account will also be banned if she continues to file false claims. Sounds like a really serious threat there. Oh, no, not my YouTube account. I mean, that's that's a scary thing to think about. These people are making money off of YouTube. These these YouTubers have, with all their subscribers, they build they take years to build up their following. And then somebody who could even make a, a, a YouTube account under a like a, an email they made five seconds ago, they could come in and just go DMCA claim. And then this person now has a strike against them from somebody who made up an email in five minutes. Yeah, it, there are absolutely lives ruined over intellectual property claims and DMCAs are part of it. Uh, and it's. And the account doesn't require any kind of like veterancy or, or anything like it could just be a new account, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's sad, but it's true. Uh, you don't need an account to file a DMCA claim, to be clear. Uh, oh. You can. Yeah, and I, this this is just kind of an associated threat where if you continue to mess with our website, we're going to ban you. But it doesn't. Yeah, but there's mean... no other repercussions. Like, I, I mean, it, it's one thing. Well, to it's your... a, like I said, it's it's perjury. You can go to jail for it. You can absolutely be countersued for it. But uh, no, it's... it's gone yet. No, there's been no evidence of somebody going to jail for a DMCA claim. But there uh, have so been it's lawsuits. An empty toothed tiger. Well, not really, because there's been lawsuits, and I think those lawsuits have have absolutely ridden out on the the, the perjury claim, where this, you know, it, it kind of shows you lied on a takedown. You're wrong, and you're, there's going to be penalties and damages now. Uh, but yeah, it's listen, it's intellectual property forever has been the land of kings. It's very expensive to enforce, it's very expensive to protect yourself, especially after the fact. As I always say, copyright your stuff early, trademark your stuff early, and it'll be way cheaper. It'll be way cheaper in case something like this winds up happening. And then a couple of days later, uh July 9th, Maurer posted on her Twitter that she had resubmitted all of the DMCA claims that she first submitted before YouTube canceled them. It just it, it all this seems insane to me. It seems actually insane that you can just, oh, well, here's another click of a button. Let me just screw these people over. Like, uh. Well, that's because the threat is perjury, and I guess that it's not enough of a threat if you don't care. See, I, I get uh, this is my first podcast, but I don't know how news people are so objective about everything. Because it's like I'm reading these stories, finding out in chronological order the person being an actual lunatic, and it, it's hard to stay objective. I don't know how uh, people do it. I don't know what, how. What news channel is objective? C-SPAN. Newspan's not a news channel. They literally just have a channel. camera just in. Watching stuff. This is the dumbest conversation. They, Continue. Stop it. That's not true. They take viewer phone calls. I've called into C-SPAN once. You did not. Is I that did. how sad your life is? I Wait. Watch, I watched, of course I, he did. I stayed up till 2 a.m. last night watching the, the healthcare debate on C-SPAN. So that's why we brought O'Connor in, everybody. So now you know. We needed a researcher, and we got someone who actually calls into C-SPAN. That is the uh, – the, that's, that is literally proof that you are going to be a great researcher. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> it is what? not awesome. No one has ever called calling into C-SPAN awesome. I used to work for a congressman. I, I care about politics. I'm an attorney. Which one? And I've never heard of anyone calling into C-SPAN. And yes, it was Anthony Weiner, the guy <laughs> who showed his dick to everyone. <laughs> you have his name's Anthony Weiner. It yeah. just doesn't get better than he that. He probably shouldn't have done it. So uh, the day after that, on the 10th, Maurer then starts filing DMCA claims against YouTubers who post videos of River City Ransom Underground as well. So she had done this originally with all the uh, the Star Mazer people, and now she's doing it again with the River City Ransom, of which we'll assume there was a contract. But again, if she never signed a contract with River City Ransom, she does own the rights to that music. It doesn't matter that this is years later. And that also means that she can just... That she is, would she be right in taking down YouTube channels like reviewing or Let's Plays of them? Well, so that's such a case by case basis because I can't tell you how many reviewers or people who think they're a, a you know commentary channel or whatever are not that are just stealing clips and stealing videos and not really adding anything to it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure some would hold up, and I'm sure some wouldn't. Well, on the 12th of July, uh, Maurer admits on Facebook chat that she is deliberately causing this issue to force Thacker and Imagos to waste their money on needless attorney fees. Uh, Maurer also posts via Twitter that she successfully DMCA claimed Starmazer's YouTube channel, causing it to close down. Going so far as to post a picture with it as well, gloating. Picture of what? 
the picture of the of the of website YouTube of, channel of the YouTube channel being closed. It's, she screenshotted it. All right, screenshot. Emikos is given a temporary restraining order by the judge against Maurer. Uh, she is legally not allowed to issue DMCA's. It's kind of an injunction or issue threats of any kind against Imagos. Mauer, however, then successfully d- submits a DMCA claim against River City Ransom Underground with Steam, causing the game to be removed. And then as the cyclone of, uh, of craziness continues, on the 17th, Mauer then fires her own lawyer. <laughs> Why not? not? Before... <laughs> yeah, uh, but not before filling his voicemails with messages and complaining on Twitter that he doesn't refer to <laughs> return of phone calls after she fired him. <laughs> oh, also she she threatens him. That's she... not on. That is so frighteningly realistic. I've had clients do that to me. Uh, clients sometimes don't like the result of something. They throw a fit and fire me and then get upset I won't return their 2 a.m. emails. Uh, River City Ransom Underground then states uh, a day later that by Steam comment in their games forum that they will be removing Mauer's contributions to their soundtrack, uh, which some have called conceding to terrorism. And credit where credit's due. Uh, Sir TapTap is the one who said that, who made a great timeline that we utilized for this. And uh, Nick Monroe wrote a great article about the kind of history here. Both, as much as they call themselves unbiased, I'm sure are a little biased. But it's hard to not be in this case. Uh, we came in wanting to be entirely unbiased, and it's hard. Uh, the, the facts, whether the contract being up in the air for me, even if Alex is right, she didn't handle any of this correctly. Uh, and it's really hard to be on her side about this. Really? This wasn't handled that's, correctly? Are that's, you sure? That's putting because it lightly. I think, it all seems completely irrational. I think, call me crazy, but I think doxing a 15-year-old is too much. And if she did that, I don't want to commit defamation ourselves if we're wrong about the age, but I think we're what right. Is, uh, what's doxing, by the way? It's when you release public it, private information to the public. On July 19th, Judge Schiller gives Maurer 30 days to find a new attorney. Uh, a week later, her Twitter is once again deleted. Oh, and good news, River City Ransom Underground is back up, so you can buy it, Morrison. I might. I didn't mean to insult it. I really am not trying to, to insult that one game. I'm just saying I'm I'm, I'm over it. Yeah, but those games are fun to play together. It's because Morrison it's, sucks at Streets of Rage. That's it's why. an online multiplayer game. It's absolutely and it's, not it, accurate. Because he I, played I Skate you. only. And he oh, was... wait, I know River City Ransom. I love that You're game. You're awful. You're so bad. I hate. It's like, it's like playing Code Monkeys. This episode is brought to you by River City Ransom. So with that in mind, we are still within that 30-day window. Mauer is looking for a new attorney, and we will absolutely do another episode on this when things play out. Unfortunately, despite what everybody wants, these things can take years to actually go down the pipeline. So for now, we sit and wait, and uh, we watch if there's going to be repercussions or case law made here that will change the DMCA in any capacity. We look very much forward to being here with you every Tuesday. We're going to be releasing uh, eh, Tuesday's fine. I don't. I won't commit to a time yet, but uh, we're going to be putting it out each week and we're going to be d- looking at super deep dives. We're going to be having guests back on. We have some really interesting ones coming up that I think you guys are going to like a lot. Uh, you can see some of them on Twitter, uh, which you can follow me at Mr. Ryan Morrison. You can follow me on Twitter at Robot Austin. And you can follow the show at Robot underscore Congress. O'Connor uh, does not have the Internet. So I wouldn't worry about following him. I do have Please C-SPAN. Draw pictures of what you think he looks like. Yeah, O'Connor watches C-SPAN. He doesn't have a Twitter. What did you say, Austin? I said, please draw us pictures of what you think he looks like. Yes. Tweet it to the show. Draw, draw. At Robot Congress. Robot underscore Congress. It's been a while. Been a while. Been a long, long while. It's not even the song. I don't know. I don't know what song you're talking about. Oh my about. God. Just, just, I can't. We're done. I love, love you all. Good night. That was a HeadGum Podcast.